0: Okay, turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. I'm going to do the fun part in the beginning and let Sam do the rest next week. (laughs) Such a blessing to just be here tonight and just be a part of this. and What an honor it is to be able to open the scriptures and and, uh, share with you guys um, what the Lord's doing in my life and what the Lord's doing through the scriptures. It's amazing to me that no matter where you are and what's going on in your life, the scriptures come alive. And they meet you and they are with you right where you are, right at that time. Just so amazing how that happens if you diligently seek him. Or even if you don't diligently seek him, he searches you out to minister to you, to lift you up, to hold on to you. And it's just a a, a beautiful thing. And as we're going to just share in these first passages of chapter 18, um, the life of Paul is so amazing. And his journeys and the things that he has been into and the things that um, go on in his life are so impactful. And he's such a, um, just an example. But for me, it's like, I could never be like that. I mean, he's so he's so intense and he's so just uh, crazy um, about the Lord and just so uh, ready to do whatever it takes. And it ministers to me as you see the struggles and the things that happened through his life. And just as he's, you know, he teaches and he's bold and he does these things and he's kicked out of cities and he's lowered in baskets and he, you know, gets stoned and he walks right back in. And, you know, all of these things that just Sam has been teaching us and, and as we've been going through, just, just jump out on the page and then we're going to come to this place where it seems to be a little more mellow, even though there's things that are going on, there's some beautiful things that are in the scripture that just really jumped out and totally blessed me this week um, and uh, I just want to share those with you and um, we'll kind of go through there. I'm probably not going to teach for a whole hour or even 40 minutes, but... Uh, so if, if there's something you want to interject, especially at the end or whatever, and, and, um, you know, bless us with, I encourage you guys to do that because as you see in here, when, when we come together, it's iron sharpening iron. And as we are on this journey of, um, the pursuit of God and the pursuit of holiness and the pursuit of what God has for us in our lives, he's alive and he's working. And as we, uh, go through the things that are in our life, God uses things and he touches us in ways that can really lift up other people. Um, one of the things that I, I can't get out of my mind, you know, that when Sam shares is, you know, the guy at the car wash, you know, that, that touched, um, Russell. Yeah. You know, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, was that an angel? Was that an a- I mean, did God send an angel just to be at the car wash at that particular time, just to minister to him? Our God's that big. He he could do that. You know, would you want to follow him home to see, you know, if he just, like, disappear? I w- I'm weird like that. I would. I'd have been like, where are you going? I'll take you there. You know, I want to see where you're going. But, you know, God is so good, and he's so right there in our face, and right there in our prayers and right there in our cars and right there at the car wash and right there where we want Him to be. And sometimes I feel like we just miss Him. You know, because you know, there's part of us that we just miss the Lord. In in, in the busyness of of the day, and the busyness of things that are going on, we miss Him. And my heart is to miss Him like I miss being with Him. I want to spend time with Him. I want to Uh, be around him and as you see the ministry of paul it seems like most of the time in paul's life there's not that gap to where he's he's constantly working and constantly in fellowship with the lord but in here there's a there's a a little neat thing that that just totally blessed my heart so we're going to start and then we'll get on to that in a little bit so chapter 18 of the book of acts verse one after these things all the things that were going on um, before, uh, that's what's going on now. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Now, we know a lot happened in Corinth because there's a whole book to the Corinthians. And there's a whole, a whole thing that you can go and study. But there's, we're going to keep on going here. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born to Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila, we know who they are, kind of. Here's where we get introduced to him because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and he came to them. Paul came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. Verse four. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So let's stop right there. So. So Paul is introduced to these people, he comes over from Athens, he goes to Corinth, he's introduced to these two uh, people, and they're tent makers, so, you know, they had probably set up shop, and he's walking by, and he's like, oh, hey, what's going on, you know, can I help you out, or however it worked out, and just so you guys know, most of you guys already know this, but, you know, rabbis, uh, teachers, um, would have had a trade, um, Paul's trade was a tent maker so if they needed something to fall back on for whatever reason every uh, rabbi had a job or had a trade um, that he would be able to do and Paul's by trade was a tent maker so when he met these people they had the thing in common and he was able to work with them he was able to work on them in their hearts and minister because you know if you work and you're you know around Paul the word of God is going to just spew forth from him he's going to, he's going to be um, just just communicating who Jesus Christ and and what the the word of God and you know Jews to the, to the Jewish people he would have really um you know ministered to them and talked with them and stuff like that so he had this bond with them and he was tent he was tent maker so he ended up starting to work from them with them and then in verse 4 it says and in the synagogue every sabbath he persuaded he taught and he reasoned in the synagogue on the sabbath and he persuaded both Jews and Greeks so Paul went about his day in, in Corinthians as a tent maker. He obviously touched people's lives. He was, he was working um, with his hands and, and doing the things that he was uh, needing to do to feed himself and take care of himself. But in the Sabbath, he went and he taught and he taught and he taught. And it seems like he was there for a little bit. And he persuaded both Jews and Greeks, which is a kind of a neat thing. And then, when Silas, verse 5, and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now, let's stop right there. Now, so Paul and Silas, some disciples of, of Paul, had came down to meet Paul. And now, when he went into the synagogue, there was a different purpose. He, had, he was persuading, he was teaching, he was doing those things in the synagogue, um, and but not professing Jesus as the Christ, Jesus as the Messiah, the savior he he was not doing that yet, but when Timothy and Silas came upon, it seems like Paul was more emboldened he was He was ready to uh step out. He had his brothers there or he was setting an example. There was all kinds of things that you could say that happened here but But what I got out of this is. When we're around brothers and sisters that are truly in Christ that we are accountable to there's a different um, there's a different message that's usually around us, and that is we proclaim our faith and our true and our beliefs more uh, abundantly whereas if you know if i 'm with Sam and we go somewhere i'm more apt to talk about Jesus Christ and God and minister to someone and be emboldened because I'm with a pastor. Well, he's a pastor. You know. You know, but if I'm with my boss, I'm not gonna be, you know, coming up to someone going, Do you know the Lord? You know, it's more like, Do you have a permit? You know, I'm just kidding. Um kind of. But um uh you know, so when you're when you're around people who are obviously like-minded in the spirit of God and, and all of that, you are going to profess your faith in a different way than you would if you were with non-believers or you were with someone that was maybe not, um, you were not influencing or was not an influence on you. And I think that this is an important picture for us as we go through our life and we go through um, the pursuit of God and we are desiring what God has for us. Because all of us ask that question, God, what do you have for me? What are you doing in this? What are you doing in that situation? What, what are you trying to tell me right now in this crazy time in my life or this magnificent time in my life or this totally uh, destructive time in my life or whatever? What, what are you doing in me? And a lot of times we will see a, a more clear vision of what God has for us when we are accountable to brothers and sisters who are like-minded in Christ. But if we are not hanging around the right people as far as with our faith and our spirit and what we're searching God around we're not going to find what God has for us because you're distracted and you act a different way with other people now obviously I don't think Paul acted a different way I just think that Paul was very careful and wise as a serpent to choose his words but when his boys showed up He laid down the law and said, this is really what I've been teaching you this whole time. And it gets him into trouble, which usually happens with all of us when we're bold for our faith. But the message to me in this was, how am I when I am with non-believers? What is my light and what is my example? Am I bold like I am with Gil or Alex or brothers that I serve with or am I just going along and kind of the chameleon that that really just kind of blends into the woodwork and doesn't make waves and that's a that's a true question that all of us need to ask ourselves and and say, you know, what do I want to do with my walk? What do I want to do and where do I want to go? And how do I want to represent God? How do I want to represent God? Do I want to represent him quietly? Sometimes that's good, but do I want to represent him boldly? And that should be always. And I think that's something that I saw in this that was just a true, you know, awesome thing. And what happens when you when you read this? You know, he reasoned every Sabbath, but he really didn't it didn't say he had any problems. So he reasoned on the Sabbath. He persuaded both Jews and Greeks. But he didn't really make any great waves until he said that Jesus was the Christ. Until he came with the true message and the true representation of the gospel to these people and in the synagogues. And then all hell breaks loose, of course. Verse 6, it says, But when they opposed him and blasphemed him, he shook his garments and said to them, Blood be upon your heads, for I am clean. For now I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered into a house of a certain man named Justice. Let's stop right there. Now, what's going on here is obviously the Jews were looking for a Messiah that's going to overthrow, set up a kingdom and overthrow the government and establish them here. But when Jesus Christ, who was crucified, is the Christ, that totally messes things up here. So obviously they had a huge problem with this. They, you know, opposed him and blasphemed him and what does he do he shook off his garments and he said your blood be upon your own head because you're choosing not to believe that Jesus is the messiah you're choosing not to do or to to follow what the true teaching of scriptures are you're choosing not to see the messiah in Jesus Christ so i'm clean i've told you everything it's your choice Now I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And this would have been a good slap in the face to the Jews. What do you mean you're going to go to the Gentiles? The Jews are the chosen people. The Jews are the ones that you go to. But this would have been kind of a dig and a slap in the face for him to say, you know, your blood is upon you because you're too arrogant or too um, prideful or whatever to, to believe and to search about this Jesus And now I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And obviously we've talked and and Sam has taught us that obviously they did not have any respect for the Gentiles. They were not uh, the chosen people of God. So, you know, this would have been a big deal for them. So he departed in verse 7 from there and he entered into a certain man named Justice who was a worshiper of God whose house was right next door to the synagogue. Let's stop right there. So we always ask ourselves, what does God have for me? What, what am I doing, Lord? What do you want I, I do? I don't know about you guys, but I, I constantly am trying to weigh out what's going on. And, and I get off, off base quite a bit. You know, I need to do this at work, and I need to go this way, and I need to go that. And God always says, do you really want to do that, or do you want to serve me? Because you've been praying to serve me, and I want you to serve me. Yeah, but I can, I, I can make, I can do, I, can, I, I, I want you to serve me. And, and we're pulled back in this. And I think that it's beautiful that he's out of the synagogue, but he goes right next door to a believer's house. Right next door is where he's going to be teaching and working and, and setting up basically shop now to preach to the Gentiles right next door to the synagogue. That, that, that's kind of a, well, again, it's a slap in the face to them. But watch what happens here whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed the Lord with his whole household, and many Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. So this Crispus, was, he was the ruler of that synagogue, and he's seeing what's going on right next door to him. People are being saved. Miracles are being done. Things are happening. And you can read about all of this in the, in the book of um Corinthians, obviously, and get some more in depth to if you want to go home and and really start studying. And say, well, what was going on at this time? You can you can dive in to see that what was happening here. But the the beautiful thing is is there are those that are going to believe in the synagogues and they're going to make those choices. And those people that that you don't think or that are giving you the um, the you know the the resistance, they're the ones that could possibly be the ones that are are really being touched. And as he sees this, as he sees Paul ministering to those and Timothy ministering to these people that are here, he's obviously touched and he obviously becomes a believer. And this is a really, really, really neat thing. And then the Lord spoke to Paul in a night vision. Do not be afraid to speak and do not keep silent for I am with you and I will, and no one will attack you or hurt you for I have many people in the city. Let's stop right there. Okay. So this is the main part of, of where I see things going here tonight. And that is, things start happening in, in ministry for Paul again. People are starting to believe. Now the, the head of the synagogue is now a believer. So what's going to happen? The people who he, were, he was um, reporting to are going to find out that now he's a follower of Jesus Christ. How did this happen? It's that Paul guy again. Let's go get him. We're going to kill him. We're going to lynch him. You're, we're going to do something to him. Whatever. All of those things have to be going through Paul's head. Now that he hears this and he was, he was baptized. Oh my goodness. Christmas, the head. He's baptized. Paul's in the middle of it. He's got to be at night. Just oh, here we go again. We're, we're going to be in a battle. We're going to be in um, this treacherous place where I've been before, but Lord, this is tough. And haven't we all been there when we go through something? I know, I know for me, even Easter week, you know, it's like, okay, here we go. You know, put on the battle armor cause it's going to be crazy. Everything that's going to happen up into it. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get a sore throat. I'm going to, you know, my car is going to break down. I mean, something's going to happen because great things are happening with the Lord. Great things in anticipation of what God is going to do in me, through me, around me, by me. And all these things are happening. I'm committing myself to you. I'm emboldened to you, Lord. And now there's this fear that sometimes can grip us that says, oh, but, but, you know, now, you know, what you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up. But I love this because what happens in verse nine, the Lord spoke to Paul in a night vision. And we don't see here that Paul cries out to the Lord. We don't see that, you know, Lord, now what? Or we don't see, oh, Lord, you know, please deliver me or anything like that. He's just in his heart. He's grieved about possibly what could happen. He's obviously afraid. He's obviously sensing you know, if should I keep doing this? Should I not keep? Should I move on? Should I stay here? What should I do, Lord? How do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What's going on? And I love this because God meets Paul right where he's at, in his room, in a vision. And he says, do not be afraid, but speak. Do not be silent. And then here's a promise. I am with you. I am with you. How easy is it to forget that as we work God's plan out in our life, and as we submit to the Lord, and as we commit to the Lord, and as we pursue God, those words are as true today as they were for Paul. I am with you. God says, even to the ends of the earth, I am with you. I am with you. How must Paul have felt? wow. And when we have anything to say to anyone, what would it be? God is with us. God is with you. And when we have a friend or someone going through tragedy and we just don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. What do we know? What do we know? God is with them. Even if they're not believers, God is with you. Seek him. He'll be found. Do not be afraid. And he gives them a command. Speak. I've gifted you. I've called you for this purpose. I've set you apart to deliver these things, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. You have a plan. You have a purpose. I am with you. Do it. Don't hold back press down, shake it up, pour it out. And I think that that same message is for us. We all have things in our heart and in our minds that God places. I want to do this for the Lord. I like to do this. Oh, I feel called to do that. I feel called to do that. And then we get afraid. We're afraid to step out in faith. We're afraid to say the thing that might make us a little uncomfortable or really sets us up to where there's no way to turn back. And God says, I am with you, speak. Go for it. Be bold to do what I've called you to do. I love that. I love that. Do not keep silent. For I am with you. And then he gives them a promise. And no one will attack you or hurt you. So we can kind of get a feel of what he was afraid of. Man, he's been beaten. He's been stoned to death. He's been hurt. I mean, physically, he's been, you know, they want to kill him. How crazy would that be most of the time? And God says, no one's going to attack you. I have a hedge of protection around you. You're taken care of, Paul. I've got a work for you to do. Now go do it. Wow. No one will hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. This is the second longest period that he stayed in any place. But he stayed there, and he spoke the word of God. And he was true to his call. And you don't read that he was beaten or he was done anything. God answered him in that room. And I don't even think he asked out loud, verbally, or cried out. I think it was just his heart in him saying, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Oh, man, boy, I've opened up this can of worms. How am I going to get out of this? I guess I should leave. Maybe I should go over here. It's time to pull up stakes and go over here or do this. You know he had those kind of things probably going on in his mind, but God met him. And I know with all of my heart that the many, many times that I have personally called out to God, he always meets us. And He's working something out in us and through us, and He's showing us. I, it blows my mind just to think about when I started serving the Lord, real hard, wholeheartedly. Everything that I've been through, I mean. And and we haven't had major tragedies or anything like that, but, you know, I've been separated from my wife for almost three years, and God put our relationship back together, our marriage, back together. In a way that only God could do. And he answers those cries. He answers those prayers. With jobs and with houses and with all of these weird things that we go through, our daily needs and our daily things. He blesses us. And he gives us exactly what we need right when we need it. And he grows us and he stretches us and he he pushes us But I really think that all along he's saying, don't you know who I am? I'm God. I'm the rock. I'm the steadfast one. I'm the one that you can cling to. I'm the one that gives the promises. There's 3,000 promises in scripture that we can cling to. God is faithful. God is faithful to us. How much do we believe that? How much do we cry out to him? How much do we say, Okay, Lord, whatever it is, you've got it. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm just going to be bold to speak and to teach and to do what you have me to do. Maybe it's just to raise your kids or to take care of your husband or to do whatever it is. Whatever those things are that God has called you to do. Do not be afraid and do it speak do it well work it out and god will not forget us i think that it's amazing to me as as i honestly look back again and i i picture my life and what what exactly we did you know when i was when i was 18 years old and i'm going to share a lot of this on sunday so if you guys don't show up on sunday you'll get a little bit but um I had a grandmother who was a full-on, just crazy, crazy, beautiful believer. I mean, all she did was serve. That, that's what she did, was serve her grandkids, serve her kids, take care of us, and pray for us, and cook for us, and just take care of us. It was just a beautiful thing. But that lady was on her knees hours a day, hours a day. I mean, that's the one thing I remember about my grandmother is she prayed prayed. I remember staying over at her house at night, and we would, you know, sleep in her bed, obviously, because grandchildren do that, you know. We'd sleep with Grandma. I'm not sleeping in the other room. <laughs> Grandma's right here, and she would get on, and it seemed like her bed was like this big, but it probably wasn't. It was probably just a normal bed, but she would get on her knees, and she'd make us get on her knees, and she'd start praying, and I'd fall asleep. Grandma, can I get in bed? Yes, I'm not done yet, and it seemed like I would wake up in the morning and she was still there. <laughs> she was still there praying, you know. And it was just a beautiful thing. You know, there was always PTL on the thing. Her Bible was always open and always there. Um, whenever you walked into her house, if, if she knew Danny was coming, she had an apple pie baking. If she knew my brother and me were coming, it was an apple pie and chocolate because he liked chocolate, homemade chocolate too no one can do either one of those two things either in our whole family like she did no one if you know someone else was coming over it was what if one of my other cousins was coming over it was something that they liked that was just who she was she was just that servant and that person who just magnified the lord i mean you had to fall in love with the lord just being around her because that's who she was that was what her call was such an amazing thing. Now, when I, when I was 17 years old, I, my, my grandmother always told me I was going to be a pastor. Always. She always told me I was going to be a pastor. She's nuts. But she always told me that. Same grandmother. And she felt that call on my life to serve the Lord. And when I moved out to California to be a rock star, she was on her knees constantly. My dad used to call me and say, hey, how are you doing? Is everything good? And I'm like, yeah. And he would always enter the conversation well, your grandmother's praying for you. Your grandmother's praying for you. And I, I, it used to give me great comfort. I'm good. Grandma's got me covered. You know, whatever. She's probably still praying for me. Completely not uh, serving God, not doing anything right, just, just not doing anything right other than I knew who the Lord was. I w- I just fallen away from him, obviously. And God was faithful through that whole time. I would pray. I would do all those kind of things. God was faithful. God put me through one of the best singer coaches in the world. Um, and I thought it was for being a rock star, but God was working it out so that I could praise him with a voice. And when you look back at all of that thing and you say, okay, well, I came to California to meet my wife, to get vocal lessons, to worship the Lord, and to just praise God. It, w- it was nothing that I had planned. I, I had none of those things Other than going to California, I had none of those things on my list of to dos. But God said, I'm going to take these things that you want to do, and I'm going to work them out for what I want you to do in your life. And this is where I have you. And we've tried to leave California probably 10 times and can't do it. God will not allow us to go. And it's amazing to me because I honestly take this in great comfort. Why do you have us here, Lord? Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not be afraid, but sing. Do not be afraid, but be bold to do what I have you to do. I've put you exactly what you've asked me to do through all of this stuff with the church, through all of these things that are happening with Pastor Sam, through all this Genesis and Genesis Church. This is exactly what I've prayed for for more than 10 years. It's amazing, amazing to see what God does. And you sit here and you say, do not be afraid because I'm with you. Is that the truth or what? God's with us even when we're not really going the direction that we probably, that God really wants us to, hey, I want you to be you know right on track with me. And we're kind of like, well, I'm going to go over here for a little while. But he's tracking right there with us to pull us right back and do exactly what he has for us. It's a beautiful picture of God. It's a beautiful thing. And I just absolutely loved that, that God spoke to Paul in this place where he was afraid, where he was in a place where he didn't know and he gives him assurance and he gives him peace and he gives him that, hey, go for it. I'm with you and I've got your back. I'm going to put a a hedge of protection. If God is for you, who can be against you? The scriptures say, if God is for us, who can be against us? That, that is something that we can say. That is something that we can claim. Hey, Lord, if this is you and you're in it, you're going to work it out. And if it's me, you're still in it. You're still going to work it out. How good is God? How good is God? And, you know, today I just want, I want to share that with you guys and just really encourage you to be around those that will sharpen you. Be around those that will embolden you. But really listen and pray and seek the Lord because He is the one who's truly with us. He is the one who's truly with you. He is the one that's saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I thank you so much, Lord, just for this, this beautiful book, Lord, this this beautiful, just words of, of yours, Lord, that, that penetrate our heart. Father, they divide us, Lord. They They, they strengthen us and stretch us and grow us and, and, Father, enlighten us. And, Father, you know, convict us and draw us close to you. And, Father, I pray, Lord, even as everyone in this room, Lord, knows you, Lord. And, and and just, I pray, Lord, that we would be bold to step out in faith and say the things that you have us. That we would speak and not be afraid. Father, that we would understand that you are present with us. That you Have that hedge of protection. Lord, you allow things to happen through us and in us and around us, Father. But you never leave us. You never forsake us. Father, even as we read later, you know, Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten again. Paul had all kinds of other things. You were with him in that. Paul was in jail. He was in chains. He was in bonds. He had all kinds of things still in store for him. But, Father, you were with him in those times, too. And Father, even if we're in chains and we're in bonds and we're desperate and we're just at our end, Father, you're with us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just give us that strength and that hope again tonight, Lord, to step out tomorrow and and be more faithful and just a little closer to you. Father, we love you. We lift up Pastor Sam, Lord. We lift up Samuel, Lord, who is... Serve in his country, Lord. He's being shipped out, I think, to Afghanistan. I'm not sure yet. Father, protect him, Lord. Take care of him, Lord. Give him a sense and a clarity, Lord, of who you are. Give him wisdom, Father. Give him the things that he needs to know, Father, even his whole group, Lord, that they would truly just hang on to you, Lord. And, Father, we pray, Lord, again, that you would just protect them and protect Pastor Sam, Lord, as if he's away, Lord, get him back here safely, Lord. Give him a peace about what's happening. Father, give him a strength, Lord, to know that we're entrusting Samuel and all of our kids, Lord, into your hands. Father, there's no better place for us to be, Lord, than in, in your will and in your hands, Lord. And we, we just entrust them to you. Father, we pray for... Those in our fellowship who need you, Lord, just thinking about Cynthia, Lord, we lift her up to you. Pray, Lord, that you would heal her body. Father, we ask, Lord, have not because we ask not. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would heal her perfectly, Lord. That it would be so amazing, Lord, in her life and in her family's life. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in them and through them, through us. Father, it's such a, a wake-up call for our fellowship, I think, Lord. And uh, I pray, Lord, that we would open our eyes to minister. And, uh, Lord, even as other things are coming in through this community, Lord, we lift up Upland, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would embolden us honestly to proclaim your gospel, Father, that we would truly go out and, and make a difference in this community in the community of our families. Lord, we give you this time. We thank you for it. We just uh, lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen.